friends, welcome to Find Your Career Calling podcast dedicated to helping you find your next step outside of university by learning about different roles in different industries from the professionals themselves. In this episode, I have Tanya, who has her own virtual assistant company, amongst other side hustles. Yeah. <laughs> so welcome to the show. So Tanya, give us an overview of how you got here, of your career path so far. Okay, thank you for inviting me on. So I am Tanya. I've got a virtual assistant business, which actually looks mainly after looks after mainly landlords, property investors, those in the property, generally property industry. So I started out my career as a um, secretary. Literally after leaving university, one of my first roles, I didn't even end up using my degree, to be honest, but my degree was in marketing. And one of my first roles was working in a company, working in actually in the marketing department. But it wasn't actually, it wasn't actually as much fun as what I thought it would be. So the, a role came up to work um, for the, the, the head of, of the company, the C, C, EO. So I ended up being his secretary. And from there, my career carried on being doing lots and lots of different secretarial roles. And then after I got married, I thought, goodness, I, I don't want to be a secretary like forever. I want to be able to be at home with my children. I didn't have any other time. I wanted to be at home with my children. I wanted to, you know, have a, have a different career path, be able to work for myself. Mm-hmm. So then I, I looked into being a virtual assistant. And the way it was at the time I started was about transferring your secretarial skills to working with people that had had businesses. So you could either work for... I don't know, an accountant or an architect or even even other, you know, big some big companies you could work for. But the thing is, you don't have to work in their office. You can work from wherever you are yeah. in your location. So you can work from home. You can literally go to the library. You can be on the beach somewhere. You could be anywhere and work for anybody else. So after I did the course, I started to look into getting, you know, working in a specific niche. They always say target a specific niche um, first. And then you can find, then you can find, you know, your work that way. So I looked into working in nurseries initially because I know loads and loads of nurseries need administration assistance. But the only issue that I had with that is the work was there, but the pay wasn't there. Mm-hmm. So they didn't necessarily want to pay my hourly rate. And I thought if I want to have a specific, if I want to have a certain lifestyle and be able to look after, you know, my, my current family and, you know, being able to maintain Sustain, the kind of life. Yeah. Yes, exactly. The Be life I wanted. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And obviously to, to do it on a full-time basis, I wanted to obviously quit my, my, my job as a secretary when I was working in the city. I hadn't, I was doing the two in tandem. I needed to earn a certain level of money. So that, that didn't work. <laughs> so, <laughs> so how much so of a pay cut did you take from, you know, being an um, online, online virtual assistant to an off, to an offline job in the city I think I think it was around initially about 500 pounds right so it wasn't it wasn't a major cut because yeah. when I uh, when I switched to my niche I then started working in the property area because my 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 dad is in property my brother is in property my husband at the time was is a builder so I thought well and I've got my own property myself so it makes sense I just hit the hit up the property industry mm-hmm. so I started working for landlords and those who were in the property industry, architects, property investors, all those kind of things. And I thought, oh, this is quite good. It's interesting. Started going to network meetings, started meeting more people. And yeah, then that kind of took off a bit. And it took off to a point where I couldn't actually 
maintain the both the two the, the, the my side the, business the side business and the city job yes exactly right. and was it well you mentioned that you had contacts in the property industry already so yes. was that so it was a natural natural transition to go to that niche but what would you say um, to someone yeah might not have that connection how do they how do they find their niche essentially well the thing is i the connections were made as i was going along mm. oh dear is that okay? Can you hear me still? Yeah. Um, yeah. So the connect. So in order to make your in order to make your connection, I think it's important to. There's two kind of ways of doing it. You can either be general. You can either be generalized, where you just concentrate on the skill set that you have, and you go out and find people according to your skill set. So if you was, if for example, you was a PA and you worked for one person as like the almost the executive assistant, you can try and find clients that are like that that need that kind of assistance so you could attend network meetings you can find people on linkedin find people on facebook that, that kind of match that kind of criteria and reach out to them follow them make that kind of connection or you can base it on your passion so what do you like to do so i have i know people who who like working with coaches mm. or who like a really obscure one actually someone who liked horses so they ended oh, up wow. working for yeah they liked i actually discovered that. i don't know this person i just i discovered them on the internet when i was doing searches but they're working for horses so they started working for they had an s, s I can't remember the correct term like stable Esquarian? is that oh, a square s exquitart you know what yeah. <laughs> horse riding horse riding horse riding horse related businesses yes exactly so they was so they was a virtual assistant for that industry so i guess i guess what's what initially most vas are scared of is not having cutting out a whole range of people but the more you niche down the mm. easier it is to be able to find your market so yeah. you're saying oh my gosh I'm not going to get anybody and I can't find any any clients blah 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 but then if you're just in my opinion now that I've I've niched down if you have if you're general to absolutely everybody then it makes it harder to find your ideal client yeah I would say the same thing for. about online teaching yeah it's yeah definitely the more niche and the more you can charge the higher price as well exactly exactly and if you can get any qualifications in it that helps you don't have to or take any courses in it the more you can just come across as an expert in this area the more you can charge because there are the va industry there's millions i'm not even gonna lie there's millions of us other va or other other specific va qualifications that gives you more credential to a possible employer well, there's there's loads of online courses you can do. I mean, I did a I did a specific course for that was based in the UK. Was it called? Um, do you yeah, remember? Good question. No. Because I saw one in Udemy, but I wasn't sure whether there was kind of like an official one. Whether VAs, because I feel like VA is a bit like online coaching. Like, there's not really. Yeah, exactly. No, there's not an official one. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll find it. The virtual. I'll find it. I know the lady who did it who's taken over assistant. Did it take a long time, the course? The course, no. The course took about, oh, here it is. So the website is VACT, Virtual Assistant Coaching, Training okay. and Mentoring. So they, I think they're going to be accredited soon. That's the lady good. who did it is called Amanda Johnson. So when I did it, she didn't own it, but she owns it now and she's doing an amazing job with it. There are, There's another lady I follow as well. Good Lord, what's her name now? Oh, Virtual Miss Friday. She is Virtual virtual miss friday she is a lady who michelle dale she's a lady who um i've been following for must be over i think over 10 years or so 
she she became a VA. She went to Egypt and literally has not come back to the UK since. She's, <laughs> she got married abroad. She had her three children abroad. Wow. She's had her whole life. She literally travels from country to country to country ever mm. since she had her children. She didn't want to stay in the UK. She wanted to be mm. virtual. And she, mm. she, if there was ever an example of a, yeah, of a virtual PA who literally travels, she is the person. It's she's, amazing. She's all over yeah. the place. Definitely give her a follow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I don't so we, know them personally, but yeah. Mm. So let's Sorry. take a kind of step back first, because we've yeah. been talking about VA, but I think some people will probably be thinking, what, what, is what, it? what is it? What, what is actually virtual assistant? You mentioned, you know, kind of like, I guess you were a secretary and then you moved on. So maybe some people yeah. are like, okay, well, a VA is just a secretary, but actually it's a lot more than that. So please yeah. <laughs> educate <laughs> us. Oh my goodness. The term, so the term virtual assistant is, so broad it can mean so much to so much different people but at the very basics of it it's a person who is working or has a skill that they can uh, work for somebody else from their specific location so they don't have to travel anywhere they don't have to necessarily meet the client face to face the work is delivered electronically so via email um via like zoom like how we're do how we're talking now they use software and all sorts of online tools where they can deliver the work to to a, a, another party without actually physically being face to face. So, for example, some people don't like the term virtual assistant because it can, to some people, it can be a bit demeaning, as in the skill set mm. can sometimes be quite low. For example, you can find um, a virtual assistant on Fiverr who can sell their skills for like five dollars, and mm. they'll they'll do something like create your social media for you. But then you can also have someone who works virtually like a lawyer for example you can hire a lawyer to do some work for you for example do some, all sorts of litigation work for you you wouldn't necessarily call them a virtual assistant but ultimately they're working virtually and they're working for you they're not seeing you face to face they're still providing work for you so although we have the term virtual assistant it doesn't it, it the, the the terminology doesn't necessarily apply to everything mm -hmm. but the work exact the work is virtual mm -hmm. right yeah so when you first uh, start, so when you first started uh, the, yes. the the transition, what yes. were the costs associated with starting? You've mentioned a few softwares in order yes. to actually finish the work. So the software, let's see. So I, when I started, I I tried to make sure everything I used was free. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think yeah, you don't you don't have to you don't have to pay very much. I mean. I made sure I had, I did the course. So that was the first, the first thing I did. Mm -hmm. And because I was setting myself up as an individual person providing a service. So when I took on clients, they were my clients. So I made sure I had to get a contract um, that came with the course, but you could get, get contracts and so make sure you sign that with, with the client you're working for. So however much you want to pay for a contract, you can find those online for free. A software that I use between my client and me the, the, self, the software that I used was free, but you can find paid for software. I had a timer as well. So anytime I did any work, I made sure that I timed absolutely everything. So if I had a phone call to a client, if I touched my computer on behalf of the client, if I went into their social media, anything I did for the client, excuse me, I made sure that it was timed. So there's a time, there's timing software you can use for free or you can get paid one. Right. My accounting. So when I invoiced my client, you could use something like Word and create like an invoice through that. Mm -hmm. I use, I ended up using a paid for software because I did get a few clients and I didn't want to have to keep writing out 
the, the um, Word document. So I used the paid for software that would then connect with another software that would take the direct debit from clients' accounts. So okay. that is a paid account. Those, those, two, those two softwares are paid. So I, what, I, what I think is important as well, being a virtual assistant, is I'm not a huge fan of talking about money. So I used to take, I used to make sure that I take all my money up front from my clients. That's what, that's what most VAs do nowadays is they, they say, for example, I will charge you, you know, 10 pounds or a block of hours. I say I charge yeah. you um, I don't, for 20 hours worth of work. You would pay those as a client. You would pay for that block of hours in advance. And then I would take that money from your account via direct debit every month. Yeah. So if I go over those hours, depending on how you set up your business, if I go over those hours, then at the end of that month, I would then um, take the money from your account for the excess hours. And Yeah, that makes sense. So you don't have to keep chasing people for money and having those awkward conversations. Exactly. You learn by having those mistakes happen. So I did have that. Mm. And you don't want to have, you don't, you want to make as little mistakes as possible. But ultimately, by making a mistake, you work out what what you like and what you don't like you work out the, the the kinks in your business so sometimes they say don't make a mistake but then if you don't have a mistake then you don't you don't learn, you from don't it. learn. Yeah. yeah and did you have any particular situations where you had a disagreement with a client or you had a particularly diff difficult client and how did you deal with it <sighs> this is i've had a few different different clients some challenging not so much i think the one client that I did, well, two actually, one client I did have wasn't able to pay his invoice, and that that was quite challenging. Hence, why I ended up doing direct debits, right? Yeah, <laughs> making client advance exactly. So that that was quite challenging and not being able to because I I rely on the specific certain of money coming into my account every right, month. Right, of course. Yeah. So if that client didn't pay, I'm like, oh, this specific bill cannot be paid now. You exactly. So obviously keep chasing that person. Eventually I continued working with them and it worked out just fine. So I think when, the, when people are difficult to work with, you have to keep the communication going. Right. Um, you can't be harsh, can't be horrible. This is me personally. Mm -hmm. I don't really do harsh or horrible. <laughs> some, people can, some people can get a bit um, aggressive. Get a bit like, yeah. Exactly, can get yeah. a bit aggressive. So just kind of make sure you, you can maintain the relationship afterwards depending on, on the situation. So yeah. we maintain the relationship after that. There's another a client that I had where they keep changing things and then wondered why my hours kept going up. Yeah. Because they had a certain amount of hours. Obviously, if you keep changing the, the set work and keep changing something else, then clearly the hours are going to go up. Of so course. I think, yeah. So you have to make sure you communicate. It's all about communication, really, mm -hmm. when it comes to virtual assistant work, letting the client understand what exactly the situation is and, you know, going forward. So that specific client, I, I stopped working with them not everybody not everybody you can you can work with mm -hmm. you have to i mean initially when you when you start working you think oh, i want everybody you know yeah. there's there's i'm not gonna say no to anybody but there are people that you know personality wise you don't always get along with exactly. all the work you're doing you don't ever you don't even enjoy doing it yeah absolutely so yeah so the more you do it the more you work out what you like what you don't like and there's no harming saying no thank you to somebody and you know? And now that we're talking about, you know, the, the other startup costs, you mentioned the VACT course, the mastery course, I assume. Yes. Yes. So what did you learn from it? So people, some people might be hearing this and thinking, okay, that's a good place to start. Do you think it's something that's not compulsory to do, but will definitely be beneficial for them in the long term and they should really think about investing in? So what did you learn at that course? So I think not this course specifically. I mean, this course, when I did it, it was good. It was a face-to-face -face one. We went to a hotel. 
went to a hotel for the weekend mm-hmm. and they they recorded everything and then we got us we got all the recording right and then after that it was like they sent it was like an online it wasn't online at the time we got actually we got a big massive folder yeah. and they gave us all these documents we had to send in homework we had to have right. you know I don't know how quite how she does it now but at the time we had to do homework on a weekly basis to give to her and for me that was a good that was a good setup because she took us from the, the absolute basics of setting up a company to the software that we needed to giving us all of the contracts to setting up our social media accounts to mm-hmm. being able to network mm-hmm. to knowing what to say how to say it mm-hmm. um so for me that course was really good I had absolutely no idea what the, the world of virtual assistant was like how to even set it up mm-hmm. so that was really good there are other programs out there that you can do like I said another one I did buy was was Michelle Dale's one mm-hmm. virtual miss Friday she has a, a program in there as well I think it was like 90 pounds or something if you wanted to just start off really quickly mm-hmm. but like there are Udemy there are all these other courses that you can mm-hmm. do that to, to get you started now yeah. the very very quickest and easiest way to get started where you don't even need anything or you know any programs for yourself is something like Upwork what's the other one? Upwork Fiverr People Per Hour now I'm actually on People Per Hour I thought that was one of the best ones I thought it was one of the good ones because I'm based in UK London and the prices and everything on there is, is London based. Mm-hmm. Quite a lot of the clients on there are UK based. There mm-hmm. are international people on there. But when it came to something like um, Upwork, mm-hmm. my goodness, you're competing against people who are going to be charging things like three pounds and three pounds an hour, yeah. four pounds an hour. Where on people per hour, they, they're not charging that. They have mm-hmm. like UK prices on there. Yeah. So you can, you can get actual work on there. It does take a while. It's not quick. Yeah, I think it did take me about a month or so to start getting work on there. But yeah, that was pretty good. They, the, with um, people for hour, they've got the contracts on there, so you don't have to have any contracts between right. you and the client. You get paid on there as well. I guess the only difference with that and Upwork is Upwork have an hour app. So when you start work, you have a timer on Upwork. So it can. It can one thing I don't like is it takes pictures of your screen as you're working. Right. <laughs> so there's no escape. So you can't try and pretend you're doing something else. Not mm-hmm. that I do, but you can't try and pretend you're doing something else. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, sit, sit there and be charging the client, you know? Yeah. So absolutely. I think it's important that you have, you have trust with, your, with the clients that you work with. I think so, as yeah. well, uh, I wanted to know about the legalities of setting up your own uh, business. Like, how, how did you go about from transitioning to employee to your own boss so i i set myself as self-employed so you have to register with the government to let them mm-hmm. know you're going to be self-employed i also spoke to my 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 the company i was working with as well because some people will have conflict between mm-hmm. the company you're yeah. working for and the business you're starting mm-hmm. so i just let let them know whether you let them know or not that's entirely up to you I couldn't afford at that time to just go and lose my job mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> having my business hadn't, hadn't been set up yet so I let them know I set myself up you know in the UK to let them know I'm going to be self-employed I also purchased the oh what's it called ICO information commission office right because I'm going to be dealing with people's personal information in terms of their, their name and address um their email address I needed to set that up so make sure that I've I'm registered as a data uh, is it data I can't, can't, can't remember the correct terminology but letting you know also letting the information commission know that I'm taking information from people and right. I'm storing it correctly I also got insurance 
Right. So in case I did something that wasn't appropriate or the client wanted to, you know, wasn't happy and they wanted to either sue me or something horrible like that, then I've got insurance that would cover that. They had legal, that included legal protection. Right. What else did I have? I think that, that's pretty much, that's pretty much all I had. Eventually I became a limited company mm-hmm. and that is a whole process unto itself. I wouldn't even right. bother to tell you all the ins and outs of that. Yeah. <laughs> I got an account to help me set that up. But, right. Yeah. Is it more, that was a, a kind of a follow-up question. Do, would you advise yeah. people who are starting out to start out as a sole trader or, and, and then move to a limited company or to just go straight to a limited company? I personally would think, would think it's best you start off as, as self-employed right. only because you're not making any money straight away. And as mm-hmm. soon as you set up a limited company, you then have to, after a year, if you're not making any money, you then have to pay pay your accountant to set up your, you know, set up your specific, you know, accounts. And you've got to send companies house so much information. And mm-hmm. it's quite a lot of information. It's quite a lot of things to start off with when you're just starting a, starting a, a virtual assistant business. But if you have visions of your business being quite large and you're going to start employing a lot of people straight away, and obviously depending on the industry you're in, you know, if, it, if, it, if it's, I don't know, some sort of working with doctors or, mm-hmm. or lawyers, solicitors, accountants, those kind of things, and maybe it would you'd look better to them setting up yourself as a limited company. When I first started, I, I wasn't really interested in, in growing really massive. Mm-hmm. I just wanted a few people so I can start working from home, really, yeah. to be fair. So I set myself up as, as yeah, self-employed. It was, it was just easier for me around, really. And you had your job as well, because there, there, there was yes. an overlap, right? Yes, exactly. How did that affect exactly. your taxes? So I already had a had an accountant because mm. I had a couple of properties anyway. So I was already right. I was already sending things, you know, right. to my accountant to handle anyway. So in terms, of, I wasn't even making a great deal of money the first year. Mm. Um, so it didn't really affect my taxes a great deal, to be honest. Okay, I'm just thinking of it from the perspective of someone who wants to start this kind of in the same journey as you, but without the property you know what, what they're probably they might have concerns about you know the, the taxes because there'll be an overlap between their work but like you said yeah they're not earning yeah. like massively straight away mm. I mean uh, there was a my friend we ended up being VAs, VAs at the same time she ended up working for a virtual assistant company now that's also another avenue of going in mm-hmm. rather than trying to find clients yourself mm-hmm. um, it can take a while she ended up working for a virtual assistant company and she left her employment to go and work for this company with regards to taxes she did all her all her taxes herself yes. so she submitted a self-assessment tax mm-hmm. form mm-hmm. and she didn't find it very hard I have right. never been that savvy she she worked it all out herself you know YouTube videos and mm-hmm. blogs and reading yeah. all that stuff and she ended up doing it herself and she's never yeah. had any issues with it I've got a couple other friends as well who did their own self-assessment you know tax form and they've not had any issues with it. I think yeah. it's literally just yeah. reading the form and following what it says. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just didn't, I've just never had any time or any patience for dealing with that. <laughs> <laughs> you have to go with your skill set. That's just not me. Yeah. No, fair enough. Um, and you already had that accountant anyway. So, and you exactly. had more variables to think about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I thought, no, I'm not going to bother with that. So. How long were you a sole trader for before you became limited? Let's see. It started around 2012. 12, 13, 14, 15. about three years three years oh wow okay yeah yeah about three years so re- relatively quite a long time 
before yeah, you. Yeah, I mean, there really wasn't, there was no rush, to be honest, mm. to be a limited company. I, the only reason I, I became a limited was because I, I thought I had ideas of growing into a big, massive business where I had, you know, shed loads of clients. I've had at one time, probably the most clients I've ever had, maybe about 15 or so mm-hmm. at one time, coming, going, being a permanent, per, you know, constantly there. And then I've had staff working for me as well. I call them, it's not staff, they're freelancers. Mm. So other people that I've had working with me. Right. So, yeah, so I thought, you know, a limited company would make, would be, you know, logical. I'd I'd have less repercussions come back to me mm. personally. Yeah, exactly. And it looks really, it looks really good to the client as well that I'm limited. You know, I'm taking, taking the business really seriously, so. Talk me through the journey of, hiring people like actually becoming an employer as opposed to just being a solopreneur yeah that's been real interesting <laughs> <laughs> Feel the team. Um, yes bit, well okay so when i when i hire people bef- mm-hmm. before i start before because they tell you this in the course as well mm-hmm. before you hire people you need to make sure that your own business is set up with your systems so I put or put all your systems in one place so that it's easier for the person that you have working for you to be able to find things and to be able to use your systems according to how you want it used. So I created a handbook for the person who I wanted to work with me. I had a system where I was interacting with the client and the staff that I had working with me could also interact with the client. Right. So I had that system there. I had somewhere where they could also... So we had other... We had the handbook, but I made sure I had to have a specific payment schedule for them as well. So they had to make sure they sent me all their timesheets. Although although I had the time app that I would share with them that they would use to you know log all their hours, they had to send me an invoice because mm. they're, that's going to be now part of my, my business. So I need to make sure they send me an invoice along with their hours. Yeah. So having a member of staff, you have it's, it comes with different challenges as well. The kind of things it comes with is you have to check their work communication with your member of staff is important because you, although you think you're explaining something in a way which you think they should understand you have to confirm with them that they actually understand the information you you've given them um there's nothing worse than letting someone spend two or three hours doing a piece of work which you didn't actually want mm. in the way that they presented it mm-hmm. so there were some clients that i got staff to speak to there were some clients that some that some staff didn't speak to at all where they just delivered the work, gave it to me, I checked it, and then I gave it to the client. So I think it's, it's very important that you ha- have someone that you get along well with if you're having a member of staff. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have to have to be friends. <laughs> it's yeah. a working environment. You don't have to be friends. You don't have to be, you know, how's your weekend? How's everything? Great. But you just have to get on well enough that you're both professional towards each other. Because right. if, if they're going to be working with your clients and your clients obviously your bread and butter, the last thing you want is for someone that you're working with to be, you know, detrimental to your business. Right. I have and had that before mm, as well. And you had to hunt, yeah, HR issues. I have had, I, I did have an HR person as well. And I have heard other VAs, you know, having issues with their members of staff. It's not, it's not all bad. There are some, mm-hmm. you know, really wonderful things that can happen by, by having staff in your business. Mm-hmm. You can, you can move so much quicker, so much faster take on so much more work when you have other people working for you and you can really magnify your business a lot by having other people working for you because obviously your capacity as a, as a, as a sole, sole trader so one person is only so many hours 
in a day, in a week, in a month, in a year. Whereas mm-hmm. you can double that if you have a really good assistant working with you. And then the more people you have working with you, then the more clients you can take on. But like I said, that can then come with its own challenges with obviously mm-hmm. having to monitor their work, make sure their work is yeah. good enough. Yeah. And making sure the client is happy. Because if the client is happy working with them, then they may need you. And obviously in the contract as well, you have to make sure that you put something in the contract where the client can't go behind your back and take your member of staff. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> or that, or that your, your member of staff doesn't then try to go behind your back and try and take your client. Yeah. Poach. Oh, Some poaching yeah, exactly. going on. Exactly. Comparing your experience with starting, you know, uh, your own company and then your friend's experience with working for a VA company, Mm-hmm. Would you do would you do anything different or would you do you think that it's better for someone who may not come from a secretary background to try to be a bit more supported by working for a VA company? Or do you think that they just need to do a course to give them that boost? No, you don't have to do a course. I think what is really good is is working for a VA company. I've I've heard many different stories of of, you know, people's exposure to being a VA so if you if you're able to work with a virtual assistant company then you're you you do very well because what that virtual assistant company will indirectly do is teach you mm-hmm. how how a good company works and you can just by working with them learn what you like doing what you don't like doing the clients you like working for clients you don't like working for how their systems are set up how you can improve your own systems and obviously set, set up your business if you want to leave in a, in a better way and what are or some of the, the reputable ones what are some of the reputable time etc that's who, that's who my, my my friend worked for she worked for mm-hmm. time etc there's one called a virtual mm-hmm. let me just see just trying to think i mean there were there are some virtually sorted i think is also one mm-hmm you're better off going on on google to be fair right. <laughs> no that's good so at least the people have yeah. at least a starting point um yeah to start google. with yeah. yeah i mean because the thing is i didn't necessarily advertise mm-hmm. too much for virtual assistant staff mm-hmm. i went on i went on people per hour and i found other vas right to the skill set that i wanted at that time right you may, you may also indeed as well I've, I've spoken to a few different people who could have been potential clients mm-hmm. they said they went on um indeed and found stuff right so they so okay. what people have done on people per hour and places like indeed you can write out a job description of what you want mm-hmm. in terms of you know a staff member and you can apply for for those kind of roles mm-hmm. so I, I guess it depends on also your mentality as well do you want to be an employee or do you want a business Mm -hmm. so I wanted a business I wanted to work for myself yeah working for me anyway working for working for a company just felt like I was transferring from working from you know going to the city to Mm -hmm. going home and working for somebody else yeah because I guess the difference is what when you're working for somebody else is especially for the companies that I've mentioned you have set hours that you have to do work so yeah. they want you to be available nine to five. Yeah, absolutely. Monday to Friday, you have to be at your PC mm-hmm. nine to five, Monday to Friday working. Whereas in my business, my specific business doesn't work for everybody, but in my business, I took on the client. I said, you know, we had a discussion. They said, you know, your hours is 10, 10 hours a week, 15 mm-hmm. hours a week. Just deliver the work when I need the work delivered. You right. don't have to sit at your PC nine to five you could do the work at midnight for all they cared yeah. they didn't care when the work was done they just wanted the work done yeah 
um right. but i guess the only thing with that is that the money isn't consistent yeah. <laughs> whereas you're working for a company you have consistent money every single month coming yes. in whereas you're working for yourself the money isn't necessarily consistent unless you have a, the same clients all the time so i've been fortunate enough where i've had the same clients for a while and you know clients come clients go so yeah how many clients do you have at, at one time right now yeah how many can you have I, depending on the size on the, yeah of the company yeah it depends on yeah it depends on the level of work as well so i had two i had two price packages one package was you'd either work for me every month on a reoccurring basis mm-hmm. and that would be 30 pounds an hour mm-hmm. reoccurring every single month or the other one is pay as you go and that was 35 pounds an hour right so if you if you work with me on like an ad hoc basis over three months say you want an hour here an hour there an hour here then that would be 35 pounds an hour right and and you'd all, all clients would, would buy a block of hours in advance yeah so the difference with the pet with the um, pay as you go is if it didn't if if they wanted to have that option then they would pay for the block of hours when those hours were done then work would stop yeah so i would have throughout the three-month period i could have you know maybe four pay as you go clients and then I could have maybe three as well retainer clients. Right. So the three retainer clients I'm working for almost on a daily basis. Whereas the pay-as-you-go clients are just random bits and pieces here and there. Right. Does that make sense? Great. Yeah, it makes sense. Definitely. And I think there's a, I can see a lot of similarities with online teaching and coaching mm-hmm. and, and VA. And, and, and it's, you know, I think you, you can definitely transfer the difference. From one to the other. Yeah, from mm-hmm. one to the other. So to wrap mm-hmm. things up, because I need to go, yes. we can just talk for hours. <laughs> I really could, sorry. <laughs> you really could. This is all very interesting. Um, I guess I, I want to hear about your, well, first of all, last minute advice. And my, my audience is, you know, career changers and university students. And this might yes. be something that they'll be interested in pursuing as a side hustle or pursue if they want to go traveling around the world, which Brilliant. a lot of people do after university. Yes. What would be yeah. your advice? what what can you sum up what the main benefits and challenges are things they should look out for when they're starting out and your biggest lessons so that they they learn from you <laughs> essentially <laughs> okay so i definitely think leaving university and doing this as a side hustle or even as a career is a fantastic fantastic you know either job or business to have you can do one or the other and not one is one isn't isn't worse than the other being a business owner or working for somebody you know there's there's no you know no negative towards either option whichever option you choose leaving university sometimes your level of experience isn't necessarily very high so working for a company could absolutely be a fantastic thing to have all you literally need is your laptop and a few pieces of software and if you're working for somebody, they pretty much tell you what pieces of software that you need. So if you left university, you could go traveling anywhere and absolutely everywhere with this job. So long as you have an internet connection or you have your phone, you use it as a dongle, you're good to go. You could, I've, I've been on holiday when I got married, went to, went to Thailand. I was working there. I mean, you could go anywhere, absolutely anywhere with this job. So why I think is important is you just think of your skill set. What skill, either what skills do you have that you could transfer to helping someone? Because that's ultimately what, you're, what you are doing as a virtual assistant. You're helping someone in their business to achieve what their goals are. So what skills do you have that you can give to somebody? And what price do you want to sell your skills for? Now, initially, when you first start, you're thinking, oh, my goodness, I can't charge someone 
you know, £30 an hour. That's absolutely ridiculous. Why would anybody pay me £30 an hour? That's too much money. But what I think is important is however you feel about yourself, you just start from where you feel comfortable. Mm. If you feel you want to charge £10 an hour, then you charge £10 an hour. As you're going six months down the road, you'll be like, do you know what? £10 is too yeah. low. I'm <laughs> worth 15 <laughs> I'm worth I, 20 I'm worth 50 that's so true I went on that same journey when I was teaching I started like 10 pounds and I was like exactly. I'm really so much value you pass your interview yes. 15 exactly. 20 <laughs> and the money just goes up and up and up you know yeah. so there are I know there are VAs charging 50 pounds an hour mm. I mean yeah. we may break it down on an hourly rate but there for example there are some packages where you just say do you know what for this, 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 and this, I'm going to highlight all these things you're going to get. And I'm charging you a thousand pounds a month for that. And when you break it down by the hour, it's something silly like, I don't know, 60 pounds an hour, you know? Mm-hmm. So if you're able, if you're, if you want to have your own business, creating packages is the absolute best way to go. Yeah. Absolutely. Because if you, if someone can see that you're delivering value for what they're getting, people will pay the absolute moon, the mm-hmm. absolute moon and stars for things, you know? the only the only limit is your mindset mm-hmm. so you have to get your mindset right and what i'm working for a company is absolutely nothing wrong with that either you can go traveling you can do everything and you and you know you're going to get your your pay every month you're going to get your you're going to get paid so when you're traveling doing whatever it is you're doing you can sit by your laptop do your work and then you're off to the beach or wherever it is <laughs> you want to go to <laughs> any and, the pit, and pitfalls they should look out for before before starting or pursuing this pitfalls I wouldn't say there's any initially mm-hmm. when you when you first when you first start. It's actually when you get started. Just be careful who you're working with and who you're working for that someone doesn't take necessarily advantage of you because they know you're new. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't necessarily tell someone that you're brand new. Just mm-hmm. just talk about what you're able to deliver and what you're able to offer. Don't just keep saying that you're new at something. Just say you know you're you're willing you're willing to learn. You've never worked in this specific this specific um, role before, but you've done other roles before. Right. So, branding exactly beginning. exactly they don't have to know that you're brand new at that you know if you're if you've never used something like i don't know something silly like canva or or mm-hmm. google for example you say this is fine i can learn that in no problem and you go crazy at home by yourself <laughs> for a couple of hours <laughs> evening, exactly go crazy <laughs> and learn it and then yeah. you'll be an expert you know yeah everything's new until you get used to it so right well, thank you so much. It's such a, it's been, it's been such a pleasure. Honestly, I think people should, should have a, needed to be educated on what a VA does and you've definitely done a great job on doing that. So thank you so much for being on the show. No problem. No problem. Thank you very much for having If you got to the end of this episode and feel like you want to find your career calling, check out fycareerconning.com where I can help you gain clarity and confidence in your next step. If you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to like, subscribe and share it with a friend. Because friends, life is too short. Find what you love.